My name is Aaron McManus, and you are listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. here with my dad, Erwin Raphael McManus. It's good to be here with you today on ah, this beautiful, rainy Los Angeles day. It's a rainy day today. It is. I got a car wash on Friday and then woke up and Saturday morning, <laughs> it was raining, so well, cheers on, to me. It rained on a clean car. <laughs> it rained on a clean, it was dirtier after the rain than it was before, hmm. which, welcome to You know, to my LA. stepdad used to tell me, I don't care if you're gonna go play in a puddle, I want you to be clean when you go to play in the puddle. So yeah. maybe that's the same application with the car. Maybe. Had it clean, rained on it, at least you know it was clean. Taking care of it. You're trying to make me feel better or worse, I can't tell. I think better, I think better, yeah. Okay, well, uh, what's up? Well, there's so much up. Is it me on rainy days, you just feel a little more sluggish or um, chill or relaxed or you just wanna sort of grab a cup of hot cocoa and sit by the fireplace and- Hot cocoa. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, pumpkin spice latte from Starbucks. This is not an ad. That is what you guys have been doing. And I cannot believe it because Aaron, you've always been violently against Starbucks. I would say, and honestly, I, it's know. just because when we wake up early to surf, it's the only thing open on our way to the, like the Don't beach give me your sad at. story for why you compromise your I'm not your sad, I'm just being real. <laughs> and then Tess introduced me to a pumpkin spice latte and it made me happier one time. So you're saying Tess is sort of like your, yeah. um, your pusher and. <laughs> well, Tess and Matt, Matt brought it. Tess pushed it across the table. All right. Um, no, I mean, I don't know. So anyways, I'm, was like, I was like wildly sick this weekend. So I, I'm still sounding kind of gross, but. You know, the flu is real, guys. Well, I'm glad you're here. It now. ain't just COVID out there. He brought his friends back. <laughs> I'm like, I feel, I feel rough. Yeah, but I can see why, well, why it would be hard to be as productive maybe in Seattle. In Seattle or, or Portland. Vancouver, when it's, Portland. When it's raining all the time. And, yeah. And well, Portland, they can't find soap. What? We can't find soap Port in LA here, Port too. I, you, we literally, I went to go... <laughs> to go buy a soap and they said all our soap is stuck at the port mm -hmm. of Los Angeles. It was Aesop. I went in and I was like, oh, I'll just order online. He's like, no, literally you can't get it. We're having the new shampoo as body lo lotion here in Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, using, I'm, in, I'm in the shower with uh, antibacterial. <laughs> but we're having to use that, what the, uh, the, the stuff that they use just for your hands on your whole using body. Using hand sanitizer. sanitizer my, and, uh, my feet, my armpits. <laughs> all right. All right, so I wanted to take a, uh, a moment today and reverse things because normally you're asking me questions. Right, okay. And I'm gonna ask you a question Amazing. that you're gonna represent um, your entire generation for a moment. Oh, all of them, okay. All right. I'll kick a few out though. Okay, so if you had to identify what decade a, a person in the United States is most productive, they accomplish their greatest work, their, their highest productivity. Mean? Per person? Per person. It, would it be from your you know, 10 to, to 19? Would it be your 20s? Would it be um, your 30s? Would it be your 40s? What are the, what are the brackets? Like uh, every, decade? What decade? What decade? What decade of your life would you expect to be the most productive? Probably, I would say probably 40 to 50. 40 to 50? Yeah. Okay. Because I feel like I'm only ramping up. Okay. And I, I get 20 to 30, I think you don't, like I think you're, you're highly 
capable, mm-hmm. but you're but you're still figuring yourself out. You don't know which direction you're going. Mm-hmm. And then thirty to forty, I think you'd be figuring it out. I think forty, fifty, you're kind of hitting stride, and and you're like, you know, some people are trying to retire, some people are trying to <laughs> take over the world. All right. Do you? And if you had to pick the second most productive decade, what would you say? So I'm wrong. No, no. I'm just we're doing two. You, you've picked as your most productive decade. You said thirty to forty. Yeah. Okay, which one would you say would be the, your second most productive decade? Well, is this like a trick question? Like, no, no, like not, I can pick like zero to ten? No, no, no. Because I guess zero to ten because I learned a language. <laughs> I learned how to walk. I learned how to speak. That's true. Only you right? would think of how. No, to I just I grew up with this really, mind really trickery. No, I grew up with your mind trickery to be nefarious. We're not. I'm not trying to do anything no. nefarious or malevolent. Or you're never nefarious or malevolent, but you're tricky. You're tricky with the. You're tricky with the words. <laughs> so you pick. 20, you said, no, 30s, your 30s. You said your 40 to 50. That's what I said. I said 40s. Okay, 40s. And I would say your 50s. Okay. So uh, I did a little survey earlier of of your team. Am I right or am I wrong? I'm going to read. I'm going to show you. I don't care about them. I just want to know about me right now. Your your team basically said your tw- their twenties was uh, probably probably the overwhelming one because they're all then, in their twenties. And then their thirties, or maybe they're just past their twenties and feel like they that the world has passed them by. Okay, because <laughs> uh, uh, a lot of them are on that turn of thirty, you know. So what? So here is a, a study published in the New England Journal of Medicine. Is that like a thing? Like a real thing? Yeah, it's a real thing. There, there is Sometimes a New England. It, where did you there see this? Is, <laughs> and this was sent to me by a friend of mine. Who? And um, We'll bleep him out. <laughs> no, the who? bishop, Dale Bronner. Oh, okay. Who's always sending me fascinating things. So am and I right or am I wrong? Here it is. I'm going to read it. Okay. An extensive study in the United States found that the most productive age in human life yeah. is between... 60 and 70 years of age. No way. It says the second. I was getting there, I guess. Yeah, the second most productive stage of a human being is from 70 to 80 years of age. There's no way. Listen to That's this. That's not even, there's no way. It's the wrong. third most productive stage is from 50 to 60 years of age. Okay, so back it up with facts. Why is it? And what the was the average, test study and what was the parameters? The average age of the Nobel Prize winners is 62. Yes, but it's... but The, the no, average... Stop, the, hold on, stop. No, no, no. no, no. Stop, just don't run me over. Don't run no. me over. Yeah, but you win a Nobel Peace Prize or a Nobel Prize because of what you did in your 30s, 40s, and 50s, not because what you did at 62 is excellent. It was that you had 30 years of work to back it up, right? Or no? And so they achieve their highest level of productivity. It's like baseball. You get paid for what you did, not for what you're doing. The average age of presidents of prominent companies in the world is 63. Okay. The average age of pastors of the 100 largest churches in the United States is 71. The average age of popes is 76. Yeah, but that's not the same. Now, they're just pulling different things, all right? Okay, sure. Um, The the study by the Journal of Medicine from New England determined that the best years of your life in terms of productivity are between 60 and 80. That means that it, uh, it also said that it found that when you, at the age of 60, you reach the top of your potential, and this continues into your 80s. And therefore, if you're between 16, 17, 17, 80, um, you're actually in your two most productive decades of your life. Now, sure, but what are the parameters, right? What are they basing it off of? Well, I don't, I don't know the parameters of the study, but let's just talk about the, um, the observations of the study. Sure. 
All right. So it seems that you're having a hard time believing that the most productive decade of a person's life would be from the 60s to the 70s. No, no, that doesn't surprise me because you're you're very productive and mm -hmm. you're in your 60s. But a lot of it is like a culmination of of your ability to be f effective, and that's been based off of the last 20 or 30 years. Like the, mm -hmm. your your ability to write a book as quickly as you do, your ability to like come up with new stories. You had a lot of you've had uh, quite the gestation period mm -hmm. for a lot of your ideas and concepts. Maybe it's that you are more confident in your mind and your ability now. I'm not sure, but why do you think it is? Well, I think there's a couple of things that are really important here, but one is uh, I think the reason you, this may be accurate, which I, I think it probably is, okay. that um, you're most productive from the 60s to 70s is that you may not be more active because in your 20s, you're, you're, you may be incredibly active. You have a lot of energy. You're doing a lot, but you may not be as productive. And then in your 30s, you may be working really hard and you're paying the bills and you're taking care of your family and you're trying to, uh, to be responsible, but you may not be your most productive. Right. You're building skill sets. You're building disciplines. You're building competencies. Right. You're also building, um, in, in that sense, um, the war chest from which you can live out your 60s closer to your natural talents, abilities, and gifting. Okay. And so I look at it and go, I was way more industrious in my 20s. I worked hard. Okay. But I was so unproductive. Right. Like when I look at my 20s, I, I feel like I could put all that I produced in a thimble, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but I worked like Niagara Falls. And I feel like right now, my effort sometimes is the amount in the thimble and my productivity is like Niagara Falls. Right. So I'm wondering if some of the shift is actually the learning model that if you stay with it, you um, learn how to be highly productive with much less energy and, uh, and, and, um, and even like workload. Okay. And, and, and you know, even if this, if there are other studies would, you know, counter it, um, I thought this study was really helpful for a couple reasons. Don't you think 20-year-olds are putting way too much pressure on themselves to be completely successful by the time they're 28? I don't know. No? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Do you? Well, it, it feels like there's almost like two streams in our culture right now. Okay. The, uh, those in their 20s who seem to have almost lethargy. They have a lot of, they're defined many ways by apathy and they're not driven to accomplish significant things with their life. Okay. And then there's other 20 year olds who have almost at times this anxiety of I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not, you know, I'm not getting there. Life is slipping me uh, by passing me by life is slipping away. My opportunity is slipping away. Yeah. You, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 27. I missed it, you, you know? And, and so there's, there's almost like this frantic sense that you're never going to achieve the bigness of your dreams. And those are two extremes, obviously. Um, but, but it does seem like those are two giant uh, rivers that, that, that describe the culture right now. What would you say to someone my age or someone like, well, how do you want to break it down? What would you say to someone in their teens going, I'm, I'm getting out of high school. Everyone says I have to go to college. Is college the only way or what do I do? Because we get hit up a lot. Like, should I go to seminary? Should I go to get my master's? Should I go be a lawyer? What should I do with my life? Yeah, I think that that what I would say is don't, and I mean, this is not original to me. I just think it's really true. Uh, don't overestimate what you can do in the short term and don't underestimate what you can do in the long what term. What does that mean though? What that means is 
a lot of times we set goals for ourselves. By the time I'm 35, I'm going to do this. By the time I'm 30, I'm going to do this. By the time I'm 25, I'm going to do this. And we, we overestimated our talent or, or our, our awesomeness, our greatness, and we underestimated how hard it is to get to that because you have um, exceptions to the rule. You have a friend who's what, you know, is mid 20s and already has a multi-million dollar company. No, hundreds of millions. Hundreds of millions. Yeah. And they happen to, to come across an idea that they invested in, built in, and it became a huge success for them. Right. And, and that's, that's the aberration that's not the norm. It's not the norm. And, but we, because we, we have so much information, the, the aberration becomes the norm. We think, oh, that's what's supposed to happen to everyone. You know, so the guy on the internet saying, you know, I was a multimillionaire by the time I was 26 years old. Here's how you can do it. Right. You know, um, it, that's not the norm. You right. know, there, there are a lot of fact, mitigating factors that affected that right. and along the way. And there's, but, so you can overestimate what you can do in the short term. And you might underestimate what you can do in the long term in terms of um, if you can develop focus and intention, if you can right. focus, determine, if you can develop determination and resilience, if you can stay with something, not just for a few months, but uh, not even just for a few years, but if you can say something, say with something for a couple of decades, you will begin to develop an incredible expertise and a skill in that. And it'll get easier and easier and easier. Yeah, I, I was talking with someone, uh, they sent me a message and they were like, you know, having a hard time with my job. So what's mm -hmm. wrong with your job? Well, I just don't feel purpose at my job. Right. And, you know, and, and I asked, you know, they're like, I think younger 20s and mm -hmm. they had worked for a church before or a nonprofit before mm -hmm. and now they're working for a for-profit business and they're like, I'm just not passionate about it. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I really wish I had done a bit more when I was younger was one, I knew I wanted to work for you and I wish I had taken like five to 10 years of just not working for you mm -hmm. early on to go like go to boot camp with someone else that does not love you. I think it's it's like something because I, I when I am around you there's there's a lot of love mm -hmm. so even if it's harsh it's like I still know you love me you're not gonna leave me hanging out to dry you're always gonna help like develop me but when you're working with someone who does not love you that only likes you and hired you for like what they see on the outside and maybe what they might see in the inside potential right they can harness that potential right they it's on them to help you develop versus like you know sometimes there are things that I'm sure you're like man I wish I could change you at times <laughs> but you kind of accept me for being your son and then you kind of try to develop me over the long game i do think i wish i had i had a few jobs before in between working for you and those are the things that i wish i'd kind of extended a bit more just to learn like how to fail more in a, mm -hmm. in a different setting like what is it like to like quit a job or transfer a job and to like get a new one and to interview into the whole thing and i only have a few of those processes versus people who have kind of had a 10-year career when they're young and go, okay, look, I know exactly what I like and don't like. I like corporate or I don't like corporate. Mm -hmm. I like big business. I like small business. Or maybe I want to work for a nonprofit or for-profit and kind of develop where I think we make these decisions really early on of like, oh, I'm not passionate about it. Right. And I'm like, you know what? I wasn't passionate about, uh, you know, uh, washing dishes at a bar. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> that wasn't, I wasn't passionate about that. But it helped me helped me develop some sort of a character of going like, if I can do this, I can pretty much do anything like moving boxes at the office really is no big deal. Like there, you know, there, you kind of create this like, you know, context for what's really hard work. And when we talk about it now, cause I'm like, we see someone doing a really hard job that no one would want. I have so much respect for that person. Yeah. I think that one of the misconceptions is that the world 
should always allow you, you to yeah to live out your passions right i mean doing something you're passionate about is actually in many ways a luxury it is a luxury and 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 i i think that in your 20s you should probably realize that no, this is the decade where i should be taking the most risks right this is a decade where i should be in the high learning mode um and 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 frankly uh, it's not the decade you're building the fire. It's the decade you're building the furnace. Because a lot of us, we want to do whatever we're passionate about. That's the fire. Right. And But the furnace is the space in which that fire gets taken care of through, for a long term. Yeah. yeah. And the, your 20s is your furnace decade. It's where your character is being formed. Right. It's where your skills are being formed, your disciplines. It's it's where you learn what it feels like to be fired. It, it's, it's where you learn what it means to show up on time or early for work and leave late. Yeah. It's where you learn to, um, <laughs> you know, if I could say it's like, this sounds very, very uh, culturally insensitive. It's where you learn that you don't have rights as much, you know? Yeah, which is that you don't. Yeah. I, think, I think a bit of it is that you learn that the world isn't there for your entertainment and there for you to, to like entertain you and yeah. to keep you happy. Or for your privilege. Yes, and so yeah. I think a lot of it is that, you know, it is a privilege to have, to be passionate at work. Mm -hmm. We can always bring passion to jobs that have no purpose. Yes. And we talk about that a lot, right? Yeah. Like, I think when you're young and you're going like, I'm not passionate about this, I think do it long enough, a at least a year, a year, a year and a half, to where you could at least get a better job at that company or a company mm -hmm. like it, and then transfer into a new field if you need to transfer to a new field. Yeah. And it, instead of, again, looking for a job that gives you meaning, bring meaning to your job. Right. And instead of looking for a job that, you know, matches your patch, passions, you bring passion to whatever job you have in front of you. And that's going to be a discipline because even when you're doing what you love, something in that process is not going to be enjoyable. And something in the, just, you know, I mean, we love um, what we're doing with McManus Gallery and making clothes, but there's a lot of the process that is just work. Things just take forever to get done. And it's just hard work and it's frustrating. It can be overwhelming at times. And and um, and you have to realize, no, that's where you have to bring your passion in because it doesn't just naturally fuel your passions. Right. And and the reason I thought the study was so encouraging, one, obviously I'm 63, so I'm like, oh, I'm in my sweet decade, but I gotta, yeah. but it makes me have a sense of urgency. I gotta get to work. I only got seven more years in yeah. my prime decade. You know, and then I have 10 years in my second prime decade. Yeah. And uh, which means I can extend into that third prime decade after that. Yeah. yeah. And because um, you always want to be an aberration from the norm. And, so uh, and um, but I just also think you should breathe and go, oh, I don't have to be at the finish line at 34, 35. Right. And I just need to keep developing the skill set that's gonna allow me to live out my passions and my dreams and to, and to bring meaning to everything I do and to maybe even create a world at work that, um, that I have control over. Because I, I, I mean, I always tell someone, look, if you have the option to work for yourself rather than work for someone else, work for yourself and start a company, start a business. But that doesn't mean working for someone else is less. And uh, you have to figure out where your gifts and talents and passions are. Some people go start their own company and are miserable all their lives because the part the owner did, they're not good at. 
And you know they may be great at design or they may be great at some creative process or they may be great at some aspect of it. Right. Being a chef and owning a restaurant are not the same thing. And sometimes the greatest nightmare for a great chef is when he owns his own restaurant. Right. And that's why partnerships are so great because someone may have a dream to own a world-class restaurant, but they're not a chef. Right. And the only way they can fulfill their dream is to connect and partner with someone who does have that unique gifting to be a world-class chef. And that world-class chef may have a dream to start a restaurant, but he just doesn't have the business acumen to make that happen. And then suddenly when they come together, they're both able to see their unique dreams come true. And while at the same time, allowing someone else to see their dream come true because they have perfect synergy. And I think that's true in life. Working for someone else can actually be the perfect space to learn what you're great at and to learn what you need to learn, to learn what you're never gonna be great at and how you need to build your teams for the future. Okay, so if we're talking about productivity, mm -hmm. do people need to go to college anymore? Well, I think the number one reason people go to college in our no, no, society. No, 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 don't give me the why. Let me, Just give let me the, no, I like it this way. Do people, should people go to college anymore? Well, it, it, you see, there's a question behind the question. Do we want to keep unemployment down? Because I think the number one reason we drive people to college is to keep unemployment down. And because most people who go to college never do anything that the degree trained them to do. Yeah. And so if you look at it objectively, you have to go, oh, the primary reason to keep people in school is to keep them out of the market. And so you're keeping unemployment down. And so we're actually paying people not to work by paying them to go to school or we're giving them no, grants. No one's, no one, yeah, that's... Okay. And government loan. Well, right now... Most people aren't... I mean, everyone... Uh, most people are getting something. A lot of people are getting something. But I wonder what the what the percentage of people who actually get some kind of scholarship is in the... Right. Or their parents are paying for them to go to school. Right. 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 Yeah. And so I would say that if, if you know that college actually prepares you for what you want to do with your life, then college is essential. Right. And then if you don't know it all, I think college is really helpful because it gives you an interim period to figure it out. But it's not because you're studying to prepare for your degree. It's really because you're in a holding space where you can hopefully learn how to learn, okay. grow as a person, mature emotionally and relationally, yeah. and be more prepared for the real world. It's, it's sort of like, it's almost opposite of the G League for basketball because in the G League in basketball, you're playing the sport that you're trying to play professionally. In college, it's like a G League, but for a different sport. You're not learning how to succeed in the business world. You're learning how to succeed in the academic world. Right. And unless you're going to stay in the academic world, it's not really preparing you for that world. It's very interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And, and so I, I, I think what's happened is that we have a system that works so well because education was the number one, I think, um, factor that pulled people out of poverty, by the way. So education is really, really important. But, um, but becoming educated and going and getting a college degree are not the same thing. A person can become incredibly educated now uh, if they're driven to learn online and uh, if, if they access learning on their own. And, and so I don't, there's no excuse anymore for anyone in, in, in the developed world to be uneducated. You may not be able to go to Harvard, but you can get a Harvard education. And you can, you can learn from the brightest minds in the world. How? 
you can buy access them through uh, books, through uh, masterminds, through mediums on online, and you can you can access. I think the greatest learning in the world, and um, through the uh, through the internet. Let me ask you a question: Do you wish you had gone to college or not? I did go to college. I said, "Do you wish you have gone to college? Like, do you would you have changed it if you could have changed it?" No, I loved go? I loved my college experience. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't have gone. I thought it was a waste of money. No, and I I, I wouldn't have gone not one day, but I needed to go to realize I didn't want to go, so it's fine. But and I loved my college experience. Did you? I didn't not love it. I loved it too. But I realized I didn't need it. I wish I had gone to be a cook, because then like I I don't sit at home and like wonder how to like do what I do. I like sit at home and wonder like frick I have to post minutes again because I don't know how to cook anything in my life. <laughs> like I'm impossible, but I get fat. Like I lit like I I do like things. I don't feel like the university system actually teaches you anything except for how to read, mm-hmm. and then what to read and then how to think and and what and and well they also tell you what to, what think. to think and then yeah. if you decided to drink the kool-aid or not depending on what professor you fall in love with or xyz really determines so much of the outcome right but i love education i don't necessarily love how we become educated you know th- i think the elementary school middle school high mm-hmm. school years make a lot of sense Maybe, you know, like it's yeah. high structure learning how to like turn things in, how to like fill things out, how to really like understand and how to read and how to, to break it all. You know, I'm terrible at math, but like there should be a certain point like in high school when they realize you're garbage at something and really steer you a different way. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like here's what they don't really tell you. What? Um, your personality structure is Mine, personally your, your, pers- your personally okay. is highly entrepreneurial. Okay. Entrepreneurs don't do well in college. I did good for the first year. I mean, no, they don't stay. No. And, um, and, and people who make straight A's usually aren't the people who start the companies. No. And it's usually people who drop out. Right. And, you know, I loved college for an endless number of reasons. And I went to Chapel Hill and I went to Elon University. And both Elon University and UNC Chapel Hill were... Um, overwhelmingly great places for me to grow up as a person um, because I, 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 I probably needed time to grow up as a human being. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I didn't know why I was here. And <clears throat> it helped me search. Actually, it even helped me search for God. It was when I was studying philosophy. Yeah. And, and I think that I was on a desperate search for meaning and it gave me the space to do that. And I would say that yeah. 80% of the classes I took were an absolute waste of my time. But if I could frame the question just a little bit differently, if I'd had the option, Irwin at 18, you can go to college, you can go to postgraduate for the next eight years, which is basically what I did, you know, getting my, uh, my, my degrees after high school. And, or you can go and be mentored by this entrepreneur who'll teach you how to start a company and over the next eight years, and where you can be financially independent and own your own business, I would choose that. And I didn't know that was an option. And so the only options I knew growing up was the only way you get out of poverty is to be educated. Right. And, um, and now those aren't the only options and they're not even the best options. And so that's why it's hard to answer the question. It is the thing. I, I, I value education. I do. I really do. But I do feel in so many ways it was not necessarily education did not equate to productivity for me. Mm-hmm. I was not that productive in school. I tried to be. 
I just <laughs> did not work within the bounds of like kind of the parameters they gave me, you know? Mm-hmm. How does one, so say you're like in your teens, you're like, I'm gonna need, I need to go to college or do I, mm-hmm. do I need to work? You right. took some time off between high school and college and you figured out you really needed to be educated. Yeah. Because you're like, education is the path my way out. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, it was different. You were, you always were educating us. You were very engaged yeah. in our education growing up. And mom was a teacher. So, like, I felt like I had been overly educated to a certain degree at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Also, I didn't work within the system. And, and eight more years of co- college was not going to work for me. You know? Yeah. You were, a, you were a student of the craft. You really did go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, how do you, you know, if you're, if you're trying to do your own thing and trying to do things differently, what advice would you give to someone who, who, you know, is going, okay, I still need education. I still need a high value for reading and learning and understanding and how to think, but like, where do, how do I increase my productivity as a young person? Like, am I doing too many things? Like, what, what would you say? Because that, was it just that you were like a shotgun and you were just kind of spraying your productivity across the map? Or did, when did you figure out how to hone into the, your gifts and your skills? Or is it, you know, you can't do that without the other or mm-hmm. how, how, can you give, can you speak to that a little bit? I yeah. gave you the most murky question you could possibly. You can you can swap. You can swim in that swamp as long as you want. Okay, um, if I could choose my life now with the information I have, um, I would just start a business at nineteen. Which one? What would you have started? Well, you see, that's that's a great point because at nineteen I didn't have the skills to do what I could at twenty nine, and but I uh, I would have started probably. Uh, um, like a, a life development coaching company. Okay. And because what I'm really good at is accelerating people's success. And I knew that even at a young age, I could, I would even tell people, look, I'm going to help you do in three years what you would have done in 20 years. Okay. And so I just had a natural ability to know how to help people uh, become high achievers. Okay. And that was true almost from the beginning. I don't even know how I knew how to do that. And, but the more I studied, the more I learned, the more it became clear to me. You know, so when I was, I think, 32, I created a system where I took the mass amount of information in the world and I, and I created um, these structures, like eight factors that will change the world. And I helped leaders understand, okay, this is how you can begin to interpret all the world. Okay. And so I was really good at helping leaders become really good at what they did. Okay. And, uh, and, and, I, and I was doing that in my early 20s, but I didn't know I was gonna have a communication gift. Okay. That's why I'm going, at 19, I didn't know I could speak. Yeah. And so I, I, I but, but it would have helped me in teaching leaders how to lead. Would right? you have said people saw potential in your communication gift? No. So then how did you, why did you double down on something that you weren't gifted at? Because I wasn't thinking of- Is it still a gift? Would you say your communication, like what, what you're great at is communicating? Mm-hmm you would look back and say there was a communication gift, but I don't think there was. No, I mean, I, I feel like it's, a th- I think I have a thinking gift and, uh, okay. and that thinking gift translates into communicating, into writing, into but you other I, spaces. You, I think yeah. you have imagination. Yeah, I think my gift is imagination. Thank you. Right. Yes. No, no, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I really yeah. think it's imagination. And then you yeah. figured out how to funnel it into a, a way that people could understand it. That's really true. Do you know what I mean? Dang, like, I'm learning something about myself here now. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> no. Because I'm actually a better coach than you are, I think. You are a better coach because you believe the truth will make a person better in a very concrete way. And I have a hard time sometimes, one-on-one, telling a person the truth because I don't want to hurt them. Yeah. And, um, but you have it, you you don't want to hurt them, you want to help them. You actually believed 
you actually believe that if I can tell you the truth and you'll respond right to it, you're going to get better at this. Yeah. And uh, I'm also perfectly fine cutting them out if they don't want to do it. If they want to learn. Yeah, because yeah. I don't need friends who don't want to listen. That's fine. <laughs> don't want to listen? I don't need to be your friend. I'm tired. I'm introverted. I would love to not hang out with you. No. What you will carry dead weight for you carried me for decades like you'll carry <laughs> that's people. called parenting yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you get what i'm saying though, yeah, right? yeah you're really good at seeing what needs to happen you're like yeah. you can you can like lay out a blueprint for mm -hmm. someone's life but there is that thing you like you won't make them do it no no, no. and i you're more uh, like I'm, I'm i'm much i'm much more of a futurist and yes. laying out um options of how to create different futures i'm not the person who's going to sit there and go uh, are you gonna do this or are you gonna do this? Are you gonna do this? You know, and I'm yeah. not I, I'm just not good at holding people accountable That's probably not, one of my weaknesses. You also don't tell them what to do. I don't I give I tell people what their choices will create And I help them understand the choices that are in front of them, but in the end I leave the choice up to you Yeah, that's tough. No, I know really I know tough. and you know, I, I think it was probably a week ago uh, your mom said to me uh, you probably would have done something like Tony Robbins, wouldn't you, Robbins? And I said, yeah, if I hadn't, if I hadn't no, like come into my faith journey, I probably would have just naturally found a way to create an environment which I could help people um, actualize their, their potential, their capacity um, to lean into a life of greater courage and, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and hope. Because I think I've just naturally bent that way. Yeah. And what, what I think I did is I, I tried to take all of that into the church. And one of the great challenges I think I had was that the church moved so slow and I moved so fast that I always had to deal with this tension of... You're dragging a dead elephant. Sometimes I, I, sometimes I, f I was trying to motivate a cemetery yeah, yeah. and to become an army. And, and I think sometimes we don't actually realize how detrimental, strangely enough, the church can be right. to actually creating the future humanity desperately needs. Yeah. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons I committed my life just to be here and to create Mosaic was um, hopefully at least in my lifetime as a part of an outcome of my life choices, I could be a part of one church that really tries to build, to, to build into humanity and build a future. I love it so much. That's so good. Yeah. But, but if you're 20s, if you're 20s, your 30s or 40s. This didn't really answer the question. No, I, I did. I said, like, why did, how, what made you double down on a gift that wasn't really a gift? Oh, 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 th yes. Like, why did you decide? Like, everyone tells me I'm bad at communicating. I'm going to be a communicator. And uh, because it didn't matter if I was good or bad, it mattered that no one wanted to help the people I wanted to help. Explain. I spent the first 10 years of my life as a follower of Christ working with people in drug cartels and yeah, yeah. among yeah, the poor city, the and inner city and projects. And, and, and so I never, th I, I actually didn't spend any time thinking about whether I was good at it. Yeah, I spent yeah. my time thinking about whether I could do what they needed me to do. Yeah. And, and I just tried to become better and better and better. Not from, I never thought I would become known as a speaker. I didn't even know there was that, <laughs> yeah. you know, I didn't know you could be famous as a speaker or something like that. All I knew is that, this little room of people needed someone to motivate them, help them believe in themselves and, and believe that God could change them, help them believe that Jesus came for them. And, and, and so I was so focused on helping the people that were there that 
I just sort of, I think, got past the fact that it didn't seem to have any talent, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, and I started small. I mean, I, uh, you know, I started a little half a house church is where I started pastoring. You know, I had 20 people, 15 people in a room yeah. talking to those people with the space heater melting my polyester suit from Sears. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and uh, so there's nothing glamorous about it. So it wasn't like anyone was putting a spotlight on me. I was just working hard every day. And, you know, I mean, I, I spent most of my time on the streets. You know, I had a basketball in my hand half the time, you know, playing in the projects, meeting people, uh, talking one-on-one. -on -one. And my communication gift, I think, really built from having endless one-on-one -on -one conversations with people, listening really hard, um, noticing what was really going on in their life. And somehow it began translating into my, my ability on Sunday. Yeah, it's so remarkable. You, you know? Yeah. And so I learned how to speak by being really engaged with an unbelieving world. I did not learn how to speak by being inside of the church and learning how to, you know, what the church language was. Yeah, those aren't really communicators. They're just cheerleaders. Like, not in a bad way, but like, the people, they're encouragers. They're, yeah, and the encouragers are inspirers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they do oftentimes have great communication gifts. It just is a different kind of, of, I feel like I'm trying to build a bridge between the people who are outside of faith uh, to Jesus. Yeah. as opposed to building bridges in the world to people who are inside of faith. Yeah, that's super good. Yeah. Um, well. But so here's, here's like. Takeaways? Yeah, here's a couple of takeaways. Believe it or not, over five years ago, I started setting goals for my 70s. Did you? Yeah, I have secret goals, private goals of, of things I want to accomplish, awards I want to win, um, achievements I want to, um, to actually uh, have. Yeah. in my 70s and I set those I probably set those in my 50s okay and and so I didn't know if I'd live into my 70s but in my 50s I thought in my 70s because I had some goals in my 50s I thought I'm not good enough yet to achieve this goal so I gave myself 25 years like what and I don't want to say out loud no. <laughs> and uh but but I do have goals like and I do have dreams or things I still think about accomplishing and you know even this graphic how important, okay so then how important are these goals to, how important is it for you to set these goals and then not telling someone do you feel like that th is a does that why don't you tell anyone is it does it threaten the existence the potential existence of this is it like a wish or is it that you like you're you don't want accountability you don't want anyone to hold you to it what is it no i actually think it's that in the world that we live in when you have when you state like big dreams and big goals it sounds like arrogance i don't and, care what they think you, you know and but like one of my goals was to write a graphic novel okay and i'm in the middle of that now but that yeah, i've had that insane. goal for over a decade it's insane you know and the artist who's who's doing the illustration mm -hmm. for your graphic the one the graphic novel is amazing the scripting mm -hmm. or like i guess the storyboard's incredible yeah. he wrote it all out and then you had like a, a really cool person from marvel mm -hmm. like what did it format it especially for graphic yeah he really helped me with character development so much yeah. you know and uh, yeah for over 20 years i've had goals in the world of writing different kinds of genres like novels and cool. science fiction and different things cool. like that and yeah. um yeah you know i was more involved in film you know a decade ago and and so i actually threw into my future i wanted to be a respected director in my 70s okay and to direct films that um were acknowledged for their artistry and their work um you, you know so i i actually like created goals for myself going you to, it's not, not a realistic goal today, mm -hmm. but if I keep building in my skills, my um, intuition, my creative expression, I can get there. And even starting the company with uh, McManus Gallery. Like I've, I've had that 
what it's been how many years since we you know were in the fashion industry it's 10 years ago 10 years ago almost 12 yeah and i've had you know that warehouse with you know that um material for 10 years because i knew that one day i was going to go back into fashion it's it, it's insane right it's kind of ridiculous to do that you know there are not a lot of 63 year old fashion designers that are starting from scratch again anything and um and very few 33 year old sons that want to actually design fashion with their dads you no, know it's fun it's and, cool but those like but that was a decade goal that i've held on to and when kim would say why don't you just sell that stuff i'm going no because one day i'm yeah. doing this again and and so i think sometimes we underestimate the power of, of like percolating dreams and letting yeah. them sit with you as you develop and develop more and more skills and 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 so i just want to encourage people to not give up uh to not um underestimate their capacity and uh, and that's why I like with uh as a parent you know um uh, with you and mariah both it's like i'm like don't be afraid to start something now you know don't worry that it doesn't succeed in two or three years maybe this dream won't be the dream that that breaks through but what you learn in creating that dream those are the skills that you need to keep going forward yeah. and um every time we do something we just get better at it you know and yeah. and we just had a you know we, we had a couple of efforts and they, did, they didn't go the way we wanted to and yeah. it can be really frustrating i'm like nah we're just paying for our education right you know and yeah. uh, no one else well, is going to out about us. the shirts <laughs> they're pre-shrunk they haven't shrunk yet they're, they're not pre-shrunk they're, they're we haven't shrunk them yet mm-hmm. so they haven't been washed and dyed when they wash and dyed they will they they'll, they'll be assume the right block <laughs> we had a meltdown on friday yeah but all these those t-shirts things, and i was like oh, yes they were they were they were the wrong like, can size you leave so i can <laughs> cuss myself out it uh, looked so bad yeah uh, and so i just think that life is like well it's it's like what jesus talked about with the harvest it's like there's a season in your life you're supposed to be breaking down the ground let's fallow ground you're supposed to be taking out the rocks and breaking through the hard ground and getting to the good soil there's a season in your life you're supposed to be dropping the seeds there's a season in your life you're supposed to be watering and taking care of that that uh, uh, you know that ground with the seeds that you cannot see any result there's a season with those little tiny you know um breakthrough vines come through and then there's the season where the harvest begins to come and I think a lot of us, because we are from the microwave era of history, we just think we're supposed to hit the button and everything happens in five minutes. Right. What I'm saying is, to me, take your 20s and realize that's the decade I'm supposed to develop the ground. Yeah. I'm supposed to get rid of the rocks, get rid of the hard ground, get to the soil. Your 30s when you're planting the seeds. You know, give yourself time because then when you're 40s and 50s, that's when you're going to really begin to see the harvest of your life. And, yeah. And I do think that if you do this right, your 60s can be your most productive years. I love that. I mean, I get it. I see it. I didn't, I didn't mean you're past your prime, but I just know how like productive you were in your mm-hmm. 50s to 60s. I see it from you, and I was like, I don't know how much more productive you could be than 50 to 60. Like, How many books you put out? How many companies you started? How many companies you lost? How many companies started again? How many ventures? How many campuses? How many you know mm-hmm. leaders did you build? 
venues that you speak at like your 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 uh, roster is quite you know it goes mm-hmm. deep your legacy is deep just in that decade like i don't know how you know what you can do in this one is going to be even more it's gonna be even greater so what i would say is this if you're young and you're trying to figure it out and you're like i want to leave a legacy and i'm not entirely sure how to be productive stop focusing on what you're passionate about and if and if they're meaning this be passionate about things and go for them but if your job doesn't make you passionate just you have another six hours before you go to sleep when you get home to when you go to sleep sometimes eight hours depending if you sleep badly you can work and build at something completely different and start a new company start a new set of skills you know we have a guy here who's two days a week is gonna start like learning how to code because he wants to go into tech like it's just <laughs> it's such a you, it's a world of possibilities you know and you you start somewhere and i don't think it's i uh, honestly i don't think I think the most successful people come from really boring realities. Mm. They because they they they've committed to the mundane to accomplish a, a specific task: feed me, feed my family, and then they start risking with what they have. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, I'm, I'm smart enough to learn this new trade. I'm smart enough to learn this new gifting. I'm smart enough to to invest in myself and to like expand my world and to take risks. Mm-hmm. And will you be willing to do that when you are comfortable? Yeah. Oh, and here's the answer. What's the answer? If you want to have a secure job, go to college. Okay. If you want to create a future that comes out of your imagination, then go to work. Okay. I like that. And if you can do both, go do both. Yeah. Yeah. Love Someone it. will pay you to go to college so that you can create your company yeah. on the side. I think that's the best option. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Brooke's hating us because if she could get paid to read books for the rest of her life, she would. <laughs> um, ah, but no, then she'd be miserable because she should have spent her life writing books. That's also true, but she would have done both at the same time. Ah! <laughs> okay, with that, <laughs> with, you did. You guys went to the same university too, huh? Best school, mm-hmm. best school. I know. I think that's why my dad loves you so much. That's how I know she's bright. Thank you. I got that Tar Heel blue. It's so uh-huh. crazy. It's, but I like if I see anyone who's from Duke, I talk trash immediately, like as if I'm from Tar Heels. You have from to the, from Chapel Hill. Isn't the code? It, it, there is a code. Like Pepperdine, I, this is the thing. Like I, I should have finished college. I probably should have, but I didn't. And this is where we're at. And I'm not mad about <laughs> it. I like where I'm at. I, I always want to be further. And I think that's a whole other episode of like being happy where you are, and also, you know. Uh, what do you do with the anxiety of wanting to do more and, and mm-hmm. be more and accomplish more? And, you know, how do you turn that anxiety into something that's a mechanism that works for you, not works against you? Mm-hmm. That's something I would love to talk about maybe the next time. But uh, it's interesting that the productivity level is, you know, 50 to 60. Yeah. So and maybe don't maybe be discouraged. A, maybe that's a testament to like 20 to 30s. There's a lot of wasted energy. Um, yeah, I, I think so. Um, hey, not finishing college. Yeah. Cannot hold you back from living the life that God created you to live. Right. Um, not going to college can't hold you back. And by the way, going to college and finishing it can't hold you back. No. <laughs> and, uh, and, but being an idiot can. Yeah. The choices you make today. It's true, right? <laughs> yeah. The choices you make right now are the only ones that will affect your future. I love it. Okay. Thank you so much for this episode. Hey, this has been fun. Sorry we fought in the middle. Let's grow old. I really don't love it when you don't answer questions. <laughs> And you give me like, and you give me outer space answers. All right. Stay young at heart. Stay young at heart. But also let yourself get old because apparently you do better. Be more productive. Less energy, more execution, more outcome. Yes. Never retire. Okay. 
but with that said, we're going to retire this conversation and we're going to just end on a positive note. I love you so much, Dad. Hey, I love you too, man. And if you're listening to this podcast, please check out our other podcasts, episodes. Also, check out The Genius of Jesus. you got to do another episode of that soon. I know. I have some friends waiting in line. Okay. Um, and you can rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. So go and do it now, please. We love you guys so much. We're really grateful for you. And we will see you soon. Thank you.